Today's daf is Masechet Shabbos, daf Yudalaf. One of the statements of Rabbah Bar Mechaseh B'Shem Rav is that any city whose roofs are higher than the base of Knesset will be Nechrav, will be destroyed, based on a Pasuk and Sefer Esr and Perak Tess. The Shulchan Aruch brings this halacha down, that a shul should be built in the highest point in the city. Some of the Rishonim understood, like the Ramban, for example, that this is a din on the individual, that this is also a chiyuv on a town resident not to move into a house that is higher than the shul. Some Rishonim go so far as to say that the house that is built higher than the shul must be taken down. The Ramban, therefore, says that if there are two shuls in a city, a person should dive in the shul that's taller than one's house. The debate in the Rishonim is if it's a din on the land, do we look at the land, i.e., do we measure the actual height from the base to the roof, and that's how we measure the the difference between the shul and the home, or is it in the land? So if a house is if a house is only 15 feet tall, but it's built in a mountain, and the shul is 22 feet, but it happens to be built in a lower part, would that make a difference? The shul have to be actually the highest point in the city or in the town. Today, Bichlal, we don't find such a paid on this. We don't find communities to be so strict on this. It's a Zera MS one of the Chorim, for example, says this whole halacha is only applicable when developing a community to begin with. Then you have to put the shul in the highest point and the house around it. But if the community already exists, that's not the issue. So you'll see this in Eretz Yisrael, in the Yishuvim, certain communities where when they're mapping out a new community, you'll find the shul is built at the highest point, and they are very strict about this in most of these places. What we rely on today in other cities, for example, some Achronim say that if you need places for people to live, such as apartment buildings in Manhattan, you need tall buildings. And there's no way to have these single single standing buildings that can uh, that can help us out with this aspect. The Meiri says that this rule of not to build the shul lower, not to build any homes higher, that goes on the building itself. Now it's a din in gaiva. The Meiri says, which means if the height is just for beauty, that's when it's a problem. If the shul is a 20 foot ceiling and you build a 40 foot ceiling, that's exactly the place where it's a problem. So this is the source to what we see today. But the idea is to be machnia our homes to the shul. Our homes should not be superior to the way that the shul is. Conclude with Divrei Agadita, another teaching of Rav Bar Machasya B'Shem Rav, if all the seas would be ink and all the reeds would be quills and Shemaim would be parchment and all the people in the world would be scribes. All of this, the writing material and the scribes would not be enough to write the Chalala Shal Rashus, the space of government authorities. Rashi explains this to refer to the responsibility, the broad and challenging responsibility of the governments, budget, security, legal issues, all in one day for vast areas. So leaders need clarity and vision to foresee the impact of the decisions. Rav Nevensal points us to the Gemara Megillah of Tesvav Amunbeis, why Esther invited Haman to the Mishnah. She could have told Echazreo straight out without a Mishnah and without inviting Haman. Handful of answers are proposed by different Tanaim. Finally, Rav Barvu is said to have met Eliyahu Navi in the street, and he asked him which answer was correct. Eliyahu Navi said all of them. Esther invited Haman for all the reasons together. The pshat is this idea of Chalal Shalrashus. Esther was a queen. Mehodavet Kush. She had breadth of authority and therefore and therefore saw the fuller picture which led her to invite Haman to the Mishnah. May Hashem grant our leaders the wisdom to have breadth of understanding and such vision.